Hello and welcome, Nationals fans, to the Dogcast. We're sponsored by International Bonus Pool Money. I'm your host, Blake Denny, and I completely believe Ryan Madsen that he didn't hit Joey Votto on purpose. Definitely. Uh, joining me today is one of our contributors and Wonder Swearer's number one fan, Ross Schimberg. How are you doing, Ross? I'm doing well. How are you? Not too bad. Uh, yeah, your, your boy's finally got a chance with the big league team. <laughs> yeah, and he did well in his first outing. It was yeah, an inning, a strikeout, and a walk. It was... Not bad for a first inning back up. Yeah, and then he had, uh, was it 3.2 innings in relief? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. Uh, so first off, we're going to recap the series with the Reds. Obviously, a solid 3-1 series win. And I guess uh, you always take the 3-1 series win. It would have been nice to sweep, but it's always tough to sweep a four-game set. So what are your feelings about the overall result? I mean, I'm really happy with what the Nats did. They got the, their job done. Uh, they did their part. The Phillies and the Braves didn't really help them out. They're now six back, depending on what happens tonight. But, I mean, they played well, and that's the most important part. It's not terribly important that they're gaining ground on the division because where that's going to come in is the head-to-head games. But they need to be playing well heading into those uh, those series. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the the thing that goes under the radar is the Reds aren't actually that bad of a team since they got rid of Brian Price under Jim Riggleman. I think they were playing just over 500 ball, if I'm right. Yeah, that's correct. So, yeah, taking three, I think I predicted it when uh, we had uh, Drew from Blog Red Machine on and said three out of four is a perfectly good result against the Reds. Four would have been nice, but just wasn't to be in that regard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, did you have a particular player of the series that stood out to you? Yeah, and it was... Wasn't terribly close, but I picked Tanner Roark because of his uh, great outing in the final game. Was it? Yeah. My days mixed up, but yeah, seven innings and earned run, no walks in the win. Only had two strikeouts, but that's okay. I mean, he's been great ever since it was like uh, beginning of the month is when he really started to turn it around, and he did a great job, especially in that fourth inning, getting out of the bases loaded jam. I mean, that could have really gotten out of hand, and if the Nats. I mean, if they lose that game, they split the series, and maybe we're having a different conversation today about their postseason aspirations. Yeah, I was very impressed with Rock. Again, I think the key part is I think he's only walked one in his last three starts. I might have to double check that, but yeah, um, ever since he worked, he worked on it with Brandon Kinsler. So they thank Brandon Kinsler by sending him to Chicago <laughs> in a week. But uh, so I've looked it up. He's, yeah, he's, he's walked one in his last three starts and none in his last two over 14 innings. So I think he's going to be a key to moving forward. Obviously, we saw when the team struggled throughout June and July, the rotation was a huge issue. Roark in particular was uh, not looking like Roark and given those solid outings. And he's kind of gone beyond those solid outings in the last few starts. I mean, yeah, in his last three, his ground ball percentage is up, K rate's up, home run rate is down. I wrote down, he's just doing all the little things right that he wasn't doing earlier in the season, and it's showing. Yeah, and we don't we don't even need him to be the dominant pitcher that he has been the last three starts. Again, we just need him to be a, a number four, maybe with Geo struggling, he gets bumped down to number five. But uh, yeah, you can't say enough about Tanaroa. Uh For me, my player of the series, I went with... Uh, 
Bryce Harper, who continues to absolutely rake out of the All-Star break. Six for 13, one home run. And I think the key in this series, he walked three times and only struck out once. And obviously, the strikeout's been a huge theme of this season. Uh, but to actually manage to limit that, put that on ball, obviously, he hits it harder than a... Uh, I think he must be in the top 20 in average exit velocity. So as long as he's putting it in play, then it's uh, useful. Do you think this Bryce Harper, maybe not to the, what is it, 367 that he's hitting out of the break, but do you think this kind of Bryce Harper is here to stay for the rest of the season? Yeah, I think so. And I, I was in the boat that I thought the home run derby would help him, and it's certainly paying off. I mean, he's still getting the walks. He's hitting for a much better average, still hitting for power, and we saw him hit all, we, it's just below the scoreboard in one of the games, and it's it's definitely helping the Nats lineup for sure. They've all been clicking now that Bryce is getting going. Yeah, I don't think the home run could not help him given where he was before. But uh, yeah, he's I don't know. He looks a lot more relaxed. He's he's getting a lot more doubles and hustling those out, which has been quite impressive. Like he's had little ground balls down in the corner that he's hustled out for a double, which has made a huge impact and. Yeah, you just see the the energy factor is way up from where it was the last month and a half. Yeah, exactly. We can hope only hope that he keeps it up. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we also had one Soto, although the four for twelve. Well, I say four for twelve. That's still hitting three hundred. Uh, doesn't look fantastic. He drew six walks compared to one strikeout, and uh, I think we've got a piece coming in the next few days about Soto potentially being. Uh, a Joey Votto lookalike, well, maybe not lookalike, but um, how impressive is that plate discipline in the series? Like, we've seen Soto walk in more than he strikes out, but six walks to one strikeout is unheard of. What's his age again? I, I can't remember. Nobody's mentioned it at all. No? No. Uh, so I may have to Google it sometime. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, he's just been fantastic. And especially at home, his home road splits are a little bit drastic, but I mean, Home fans must love it. Yeah. <laughs> I won't complain if he still hits 333 all season and has that ridiculous OPS. I think he's second now because Matt Carpenter has just decided that he's an MVP. <laughs> so, is he uh, like number one in the war rankings in the NL? I th- last time I checked, I think he is. Potentially. He probably had a negative war at like the middle of May as well. I had him in my fantasy team and still got him, <laughs> so I'm, I'm pretty happy now. Uh, and probably an under the radar player throughout this series with Wilmer Defoe, who actually in limited showings went four for nine, drew a couple starts. I think he started in place of Murphy and Turner during the series. Um, do you see him getting more starts moving forward just to kind of rest Murphy? Maybe not. I think the turn starting for Turner was an exception, but will he get more starts over Murphy? I don't think so. I mean, once Murph, I mean, Murphy's progressing well from his injury. And I think once the Nats, they start getting in that a, a division race, if they do get in one, they're going to have Murphy starting. I mean, most most games, I don't really see Defoe cracking the lineup unless somebody goes down. Yeah, I think Murphy's defense is still pretty questionable. Surprise, surprisingly, in his first two seasons, I thought he actually played average defense, but we've definitely see, seen him taking a step back. So I wonder if we see Defoe start once a week, maybe. Or just come in sometimes late in, late in close games for a defensive replacement. I've seen them do that a couple times, and I like when they do that, like right after Murphy's last at-bat in the seventh inning, say, bring mm-hmm. in Defo for his defense. Yeah, and they do that for Taylor and Eaton as well quite a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, 
we touched on Roark performing well, but obviously uh, the other starters performed, aside from Gio, we'll get on to him in a bit, but uh, Scherzer, Roark and Helixson combined for 18 and two-thirds, 15 hits, five earned, two walks, 15 strikeouts. So the rotation's definitely turning it around, and with performances like that, do you see them kind of rolling, especially into this big Brave series that we've got coming up? Yeah, I, th- I think you have to. And we didn't, you didn't even mention Tommy Malone, who pitched the end of the Mets series on Tuesday or Wednesday, one of those two days. But yeah, he's been a pleasant surprise as well. And so the rotation is definitely trending up with Strasburg uh, progressing from his injury. Hmm. But then obviously on the flip side of that, Gio struggled again, three and two thirds, 10 hits, five runs, two walks and five strikeouts. He seemed to keep missing location. It wasn't so much the walks that have bitten him, but 10 hits, he left a lot of balls up in the strike in the strike zone. And uh, I think FP picked up on it very early on that Wheaters would put his glove low, he'd miss high, and then those would get taken deep. How long do you think Gio's leash is in the rotation? I think you still have to give him a decent leash because there's just nobody else to back him up. I mean, there's Jeffrey Rodriguez, who we will see tomorrow. I don't trust him. I'd rather have Gio in there, obviously. Um, I mean, just have to hope that the bullpen can keep up when he has bad days. But I trust Gio more than uh, the replacements to figure it out. Yeah, I think I would go with that. The It depends if Malone can actually pitch against better lineups. Obviously, the only two teams he's faced so far are the Marlins and Mets. That's kind of like but still being in AAA, basically. Um, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see how Gio and Malone do. I think they go Wednesday and Thursday in there. They could potentially be competing for a starting role, but even then, I'd probably trust Gio down the stretch more than Malone. We've got a lot more bad track record for Malone than bad track record for Gio. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, Malone's just only in a two-game sample. You mentioned the two bad teams. We're going to need to see a lot more out of him before he gets a legitimate playing time in September. Yeah, I think Malone will face the Braves and then the Cardinals in his next two, so that's a a much stiffer test for him. Uh, one other note, uh, in the bullpen, we saw Kelvin Herrera finally looking like the guy that we uh, hoped he would be, throwing high 90s, uh, had the one, two, three inning to finish off the series on Sunday as well in a one-run game when people were kind of losing the faith a bit. How huge do you see his presence being? Especially, I think the news on Doolittle is he's very, very slowly progressing. So it may be a few more weeks till we see him again. Yeah, I saw that news on Duel. It's uh, not good. We're going to have to trust Herrera, but he did a great job in this past series getting out of trouble. Uh, only gave up one earned run. In, oh, no. No earned runs in the Cincinnati series. Uh, but lately, he's been really, really good, and the Nats are going to need him. Yeah, I've been very impressed with him. I think the the key runs that he gave up were against the Marlins. And in that that game, it was all... I think it was like three soft contact, like uh, two infield singles and then a dribbler through the infield. So I think on the whole, he's definitely been impressive. And maybe going back to a closer's role temporarily might help him kind of getting back to that familiarity where he was with the Royals. Yeah. And uh, with the rest of the bullpen, we saw Madsen. He pitched pitched well outside of hitting Joey Votto and starting (laughs) that whole uh, controversy, which is a whole separate podcast, I suppose. (laughs) <laughs> yeah yeah i'm not going to go into that that sounds like a, <laughs> that sounds like a trap waiting to happen um 
But one of my uh, favourite pitchers, Matt Grace, who actually threw two scoreless innings, we saw him have, uh, he had a long outing, I can't remember when it was, I think it was in, no, I can't remember. Um, but yeah, he's looked very impressive and he's got a mid-twos ERA. Um, are you surprised that potentially they didn't go for Matt Grace having a spot start like we saw last year against the Padres uh, and going with Jeffrey Rodriguez? I'd I'd much rather have Grace in the bullpen just because of what he's been doing. I mean, I'd rather you could have Rodriguez and Grace combined for like seven or so innings. I mean, I I would prefer that over Grace getting a spot start. Hmm. Yeah, I think the the thing with Jeffrey Rodriguez is he only really has two major league pitches at the moment. He has a a change-up that he hasn't used a lot. Um, So we'll see how that goes, potentially a really short leash on Tuesday. Obviously, they've planned ahead, and I think they flipped Scherzer and Malone in that series for that specific reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's smart. So if they have to burn the bullpen, Scherzer will more than likely pick them up in mm-hmm. the the nightcap. So obviously we've uh, we've kind of jumped ahead a little bit, but obviously it's a huge series against the Braves coming up. They're sixty and forty eight, and they've got the third highest average in the majors and eleventh in ERA. Obviously that lineup's pretty deadly. They've had some bounce back years from Nick Markakis. Uh, Acuna, obviously, doing incredibly well. Uh, so in their last series against the Mets, just like the Nats, they took three or four, so the Nats couldn't gain any ground. Mike Fultonavich was dealing after a slow uh, post-All-Star break start in the opener, and they won 4-2. Jacob deGrom managed his uncanny ability to lose games in a Cy Young year uh, with a 2-1 loss on Friday. Zach Wheeler shot out the Braves in a 3 nothing win. And then the Braves won a thrill ride on Sunday. I managed to catch the end of that after the Nats game, and it was uh, it was mad. I think the Braves took the lead in the ninth and tenth inning. Uh, so, what do you think about the Braves? They seem a bit sluggish of late. They did seem to kind of have to grind out that series against the Mets. Yeah, I mean, we were talking about probably on previous podcasts and just in general that the we were wondering if the Braves and the Phillies would keep rolling after the All Star break, or would they just start to falter since they're relatively young teams but the Braves have started to show signs of it but I mean you said winning three of four I mean that's nothing to scoff at mm. yeah they, they did get the job done um I think that rotation is still a bit of a worry they've got Fultonavich who I think is fantastic who's stumbling a bit but uh Kevin Gosman wasn't exactly a star ad Tehran struggled Newcomb's been great but then aside from that are you really going to rely on Anibal Sanchez to pitch a Two eight nine ERA the rest of the way. No, not at all. <laughs> sure, that was a rhetorical question, but I'll just <laughs> that anyways. Uh, so, which players are you particularly watching out for this series? Uh, I wrote down Ronald Acuna at that leadoff spot. I mean, I saw him when I went uh, two Sundays ago. I think he had a leadoff single, leadoff double. I can't remember, but he was great. He can steal bases, and his splits are vastly better on the road. Than in SunTrust Park, and he's much better actually against righties than lefties. So, I mean, he'll see Jeffrey Rodriguez, Scherzer. Uh, he's going to be somebody that I'm going to watch. Yeah, I think Acuna, obviously the odds-on favorite for Rookie of the Year coming into the year. Thank God for Juan Soto stealing that. But yeah, it's interesting that he's hitting in the leadoff spot. He kind of profiles as a potentially number two, number three hitter down the road. I mean, yeah. The Braves, I mean, they've got Ozzy Albies is really good. Freddie Freeman, you lock him into the third spot. Marquez is at four. I mean, they're the top of the lineup is as good as any team in the leagues. Mm. Yeah, there was a tweet earlier, and it was uh, 
which player do you hate because they're that good on a team uh, that you hate? And obviously the top answer was Freddie Freeman. I think Chipper Jones was probably a bit before my time, who some of the older Nets fans would probably go for, but he's just having an, another MVP type type year, 316, 18 home runs, maybe a bit low in this uh, day and age, but 69 RBI is a very nice total. And even seven stolen bases, which is a bit of a, a shock for a first baseman. So I don't think you can ever uh, kind of disregard Freeman at any point. No, in a weird way, I'm actually happy for him because the last couple of years, he's been the one shining star on a really garbage team. And now his team's having some success. So I have just, just a little bit of uh, a smile on my face for him. But uh, once he steps into the batter's box, I'm terrified. Yeah, I, I wish he would have done it for like the Oakland A's or something. <laughs> yeah. Um, one thing I did notice is uh, Ender Inciate is starting to look like his old self. He's hitting 370 with six RBIs over his last 15 days. I think he was the former leadoff hitter before they bumped Acuna there. So potentially uh, he moves back up towards that spot. I think he was having a poor season. So uh, what do you make of Inciate? I mean, yeah, I'm, I was always high on Inciarte. And talk about a deep lineup. He's batting sixth and seventh, and he was an all-star last year. Yeah. How crazy is that? I mean, he's another speedster on the team and just a really, really solid contact guy. His average may not show, but he takes those good at-bats and stresses a pitcher. Yeah, I think it was uh, like the third or fourth time we played him and it came came round to that and saw he was hitting like 240 and I was stunned because he's always been like the prototypical leadoff here. Yeah, and yeah it's just not it that whole braves lineup is just so good and when kurt suzuki and tyler flowers two really good hitting catchers in there it's just a nightmare hmm. yeah and i think the the last guy on the braves that i want to keep an eye on is uh aj minter who's recently been promoted to close i think this is his rookie year as well which is uh quite a surprise he's got a 298 era and nearly 10 strikeouts per nine innings with eight saves uh on the year so Potentially, he could be solidifying the back end of that bullpen that's uh, been a bit shaky at times. I mean, yeah, you got Minter, Shane Carl, and Aronis' Cayeno. They seem to fluctuate a lot, and when they're on, they're really, really good. But, I mean, yeah, Minter's definitely been the best of that bunch, just looking at their their FIPs and wars. And, yeah, he's got the highest strikeout rate of the bullpen, guys. He's been good. So what odds on us seeing Bryce Harper versus Sam Freeman, which never seems to end well for the Braves? Oh, uh, I have no idea. <laughs> oh, he's not. He's a lot lower on that list. <laughs> he's becoming the, the next Jerry Blevins. I think Jerry Blevins is on his last year with the Mets. And we always see Blevins against yep. Harper. So maybe the next one is Freeman v. Harper. <laughs> yeah, we'll see him then. Uh, we'll see him three times. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so which Nats are you keeping an eye on this series? Uh, the first guy I wrote down was Jeffrey Rodriguez, I guess, kind of for the obvious reasons, just if he'll show anything, really. I mean, he's just not been good to start the year. A 1.6 whip, 13.2 walk percentage, although his best start of the year was uh, his first one at Atlanta, four and two-thirds innings, no earned runs. And the thing I'm going to look for is just if he can get through five innings without really blowing the game open and it's important it's going to be really important to preserve the bullpen uh for the first game of the doubleheader yeah i think we we touched on it a little bit uh a little bit earlier and will they have potentially a jeremy hellickson type leash on him with uh the fastball and curveball major league offerings but 
uh, trying to get through the lineup a third time, sometimes even a second time with just two pitches, a bit of a struggle. Mm -hmm. And this might be like we touched on earlier, Matt Grace can go deep. We talked about Wander Suero even going two plus innings. It might be one of those games where they just kind of put two of those guys together, get to the seventh, seven and uh, third even, and just kind of go from there if the game is still within reach. Mm. I think for me, I want to see a Matt Adams bounce back. Obviously, uh, the two lefties start on start the doubleheader. So uh, I reckon we might see uh, Ryan Zimmerman and Mark Reynolds making a rare start in that one. But then you've got the two right-handers on Wednesday and Thursday. So uh, I probably expect Matt Adams in the lineup for those. But he's only hitting 225 since the All-Star break. The power's still there. He's hit three home runs. But we've seen throughout the season, he's been about a 280, 290 hitter, and he's really struggled out the break. Do you think that might be some of the playing time that he's lost to Zimmerman? But possibly. I mean, it's, he's played a lot more uh, this year. He's on pace to play more this year than uh, last year and in 2016. And I'm still an advocate of platooning Adams and Zimmerman. They've been doing that for the most part, especially against lefties. Uh, if he can get some rest, I mean, I don't have a problem with Zimmerman playing against lefties or even Mark Reynolds. Yeah, I think Zimmerman and Reynolds both absolutely kill lefties. And uh, Adams is still hitting about 200, maybe, a random guess. So, yeah, I think a platoon makes the most sense. Um, and sometimes you'll see Zimmerman coming against a, a right-hander who has reverse splits. We saw that against the Brewers when they had Junior Guerra, I think it was, who had uh, right-handers were hitting much better against him. So that kind of makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I just checked Adams batting 277 on the year. Hmm. And let's and second half of the season, he's batting. Is my computer not loading? Two twenty five, yeah. Mm. Two twenty eight in the first half. Two twenty five in the second half. Mm. Uh, so uh, we also have Daniel Murphy on a tear since the All Star break. A one two seven OPS, and uh, I think to be fair, other than the first two or three series when he was kind of knocking the rust off we've seen the daniel murphy of old maybe a touch less power because of the knee but uh he seems to be hitting sixth or seventh a lot do you think that's a bit low given how he's hitting i mean depending on the pitcher i mean i don't have a problem with it i just shows goes to show how crazy deep the nationals lineup is you have especially with the emergence of soto and if he got eaten in there uh, against the righty i mean i don't have any problem with him batting sixth or seventh yeah it's kind of a nice uh nice cleanup type role for him uh, if you leave the likes of Soto, Harper, who are raking in the middle of the lineup, and then uh, Daniel Murphy doing hits more than power, uh, just to knock him in. So yeah, I I don't mind it, and obviously you don't want him hitting second where he has hit before because of the the speed factor. So you don't want him holding anyone up. Mm -hmm. uh, speaking of speed, Trey Turner has actually had six steals in his last seven games. Uh, one of our contributors, Brian Foley, was writing, uh, where is Trey Turner's speed gone? And proceeded to steal two bases the next day. So is that a huge positive for you? And obviously, we want to see him do it a lot more. I mean, yeah, he's had some favorable matchups. I remember it was against Syndergaard. He stole a couple bases, and that's always run over Syndergaard. And so if he can get just get back into it with a couple easy matchups and he keeps looking to run, yeah, it's, it's a great development for the Nats. Mm. Yeah, off the top of my head, I don't think Tyler Flowers is fantastic. I think he's got a good arm, but he hasn't got a great pop time. And uh, so he might be someone to run on. I think Kurt Suzuki is a lot better. I remember him being a, a very good defensive catcher. 
Yeah, Tyler Flowers, I heard, is the best uh, pitch framing catcher, so that's why he's in. I don't know about his arm, but he's pretty good, at least trying to get uh, some extra strikes for his pitchers. Hmm. Uh, one other person I'm not sure if we'll necessarily see in this series is uh, Greg Holland, who I don't think has been officially signed, but uh, some of the reporters like John Heyman from FanCred Sports have reported that he signed. Uh, so far, he's got a 7.92 ERA, three blown saves, no saves in 2018, but they've signed him for the league minimum. So to me, it seems like a good sign. Is that the same for you? I think it's a phenomenal signing. I mean, there's virtually no risk. You said they signed him to the minimum. And there's a, you mentioned his ERA is crazy high, but his, there's a 3.36 point difference between his ERA and his FIP, which suggests he isn't as bad as his play is suggesting. And looking into it, his ground ball rate is down, his walks are way up, and he's getting a little bit BABIP to death, a 379 BABIP this year compared to a 301 career BABIP. So if a change of scenery maybe helps things and he can get back to where he was, I mean, he wasn't bad with the Rockies, and playing in that altitude is never a fun thing to uh, do as a pitcher. But if he can get back to where he was with the Rockies, it's a fantastic signing. Well, yeah, he was an all-star in the first half with like a two ERA. So, yeah, for the for the league minimum, you take a shot on him, and obviously the Nats uh, have Jimmy Cordero, who seems to walk everyone at the moment. Uh, it's a fantastic signing, like you say. You. You take a shot on him. The highest ERA he had before this year was around four and a half, but then he followed that up with a, a one and a half ERA. So uh, even if you get the Greg Holland of 2017, where he had a, was it a three and a half ERA, more or less, mm -hmm. then uh, you've got a fantastic signing, and especially someone with postseason experience, should they make it that far. Yeah, exactly. And I think we brought it up when we were talking about G. I'd rather trust the veteran to figure it out than put a guy like Jimmy Cordero or even Wander Suero in a big situation like that. Yeah. Hopefully we see him against the Cardinals because they're paying about 14 million of his salary while the Nats pay in the league minimum. That would be uh that would be quite something. <laughs> yeah, the revenge narrative. I always <laughs> love those. Uh so now we're gonna look ahead to each matchup individually. First off on Tuesday at 105, first part of the doubleheader, Jeffrey Rodriguez against Max Fried. Jeffrey Rodriguez at 0 and 1, 686 ERA. Obviously, we've talked a lot about him as a potentially key uh key part of this series. But Max Fried one and four with a 338 ERA. Uh I noticed he's actually got a higher ERA on the road, 430 ERA compared to 225 at home. SunTrust Park is a bit of a cavernous ballpark. So what are you watching for in this matchup? It seems potentially like the highest scoring matchup of the weekend. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I've never been a Max Freed guy, but when I was looking at his stats, he's actually not as bad as I thought. I mean, he's uh, If you break up his splits between his time as a starting pitcher and a reliever, he's been a much better starting pitcher, which I found really interesting. Usually it would be the other way around since you're just going 120% as a reliever. I mean, he's uh, only allowing a 371 opponent slugging percentage. 24.6K uh, percentage, but his walk rate is way up, and he is being aided by uh, 350 BABIP. So I think those things are going to come down, and if the Nats can uh, take advantage, they'll be in a great spot to back up Jeffrey Rodriguez. Yeah, I I have been a Max Free guy. I've had him in uh, fantasy baseball for a little bit as a prospect. But yeah, he's been uh, quite highly rated come up, and uh, I think against the potentially lefty-heavy lineup for the Nats with Murphy, Harper, Soto, it could be trickier than people think, obviously. I think this one does hinge on Jeffrey Rodriguez. We did see the good against the Braves, and 
as we said, if they can try and pair it up so that he's not going too deep into this one, the Nats might be able to cling on. Uh, but I think I'm going to pick the Braves in this one. How do you see this one going? Yeah, I have to agree. Uh, Freed's the better pitcher, and just the way Rodriguez is pitching, I can't confidently say that he's going to win this matchup. Yeah, I think that I think there's a chance. I don't think he gets any credit when he has shown small flashes. Like I said, his his fastball and curveball are pretty impressive, but then it's going to be tough to sustain that against the Braves. Yeah, I agree. Uh, in the second part of the doubleheader, Max Scherzer will face off against Sean Newcomb uh, Tuesday, 7.05 p.m. Eastern. Max Scherzer, 15-5, 2-3-3-R-A. Sean Newcomb, 10-5 with a 3-2-3-R-A. And obviously, this seems like the marquee pitching matchup of the of the series. Yeah, certainly. And I guess on the flip side, I've always been a Sean Newcomb guy. I really liked him last year, even though he was walking just about every other batter he faced. I mean, But he was great, and he put it on display in his last start where he you know, he threw a no-hitter against the Dodgers. Yeah, I couldn't say no-hitter enough while that was going on. Uh, <laughs> I think I, I turned it on with... I, I turned it on going into the ninth inning and saw Chris Taylor get a hit. Um, but yeah, he was fantastic in that one. Eight and two-thirds, just the one hit. Uh, and he's really limited the walks this season. You see that with the, the one walk in the near no-hitter as well. So it's definitely not going to be tough, but uh, which superlative are you going to use to describe Max Scherzer in this one? Uh, how about stupendous? <laughs> Very fantasy. I mean, there's just, you can only shower him with praise. I mean, I just, I only wrote down like three stats because he just, he's just so amazing. A uh, 1.86 FIP, again, I mean, against the Braves, uh, 1.86 FIP, 1.80 ERA, uh, almost 11 strikeouts per nine. Uh, he's just fantastic. Yeah, I think all but one of the runs that he's allowed against the Braves have come on a Mike Fultonavich RBI double. Really? I think so. That's, that's impressive. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, 2 and 1, 1 8 ERA against the Braves, as you mentioned. Um, and, yeah, there's not a lot more to say. I think the, the most remarkable thing about Scherzer this season is the batting stats, funnily enough, where he's leading the National League uh, in uh, batting average with runners in scoring position, which is just ridiculous with like a 400 figure. Just showing. Uh, how clutch he is. I think he still leads the National League in war. That may change tonight, depending on what happens. But uh, I'll, I'll ask this instead. Do you think he's going to win the MVP? I don't think so. I, he just hasn't been as... like He needs to be more dominant than he is to win MVP as a pitcher. It's just so hard. I mean, Kershaw got it in 2014 when he was just literally unhittable. Scherzer's not at, the, at that level this season, but I think he's good enough, and I think he'll probably get some votes. Oh, yeah. I think he's going to finish probably top five, I think, is more than fair. But there's probably a stronger hitting field than there was when Kershaw won it. Like, you've got Arenado, Carpenter, Freddie Freeman having a fantastic year as well. So that also makes it a bit trickier for him. Yeah, for sure. I, Freeman would have my vote for what it's worth, but I just don't see Scherzer. I mean, unless he just really starts turning it on and has brings no hitters into the seventh inning uh, in most of his starts. You can't rule that out. Um, That's certainly. Yeah. Uh, but for me, it would be Arenado. I think he's one of my favorite players in the whole league, and everyone uh, uses the cause effect, but we digress. Uh, how do you see this game, this game going? You have to give the edge to Scherzer. There's just no other way to put it. I mean, Newcomb threw 134 pitches in that no-hitter, or almost no-hitter. 
So you have to question how he might come out. I know he's gotten some extra rest, but still that's a lot of pitches and Max Scherzer is Max Scherzer. Enough said. Yeah, pretty much. I think that's a good summary. Max Scherzer is Max Scherzer. Uh, 15 and five record kind of speaks for itself. Uh, and most of those five losses came within like a short spell. So hopefully he's back to where he was. We saw him stumble and he was only a just above league average pitcher. Kind of shows how spoiled we are. So yeah, I think I'll pick Max Scherzer in this one. Uh, third up in the series, we've got Tommy Malone facing off against Mike Fultonavich on Wednesday at 7.05 p.m. Tommy Malone 1-0 with a 3-3-0-0 ERA. Mike Fultonavich 8-6 with a 3-0-4. But obviously, Fultonavich has struggled in his five post-All-Star break starts. 6 six one four ERA. Uh, and including a four-earned five-and-two-thirds inning start against Nats. Is this a, a good time to face him, I guess? Yeah, it is. And Fultonavich was the guy I saw when I went to the Braves game a couple weeks ago. And he just... He didn't look like he had it at all. I mean, I, I wrote down the same. We looked at the same things about Fulton Avich. He's allowed four or five earned runs in four of his last five starts. He's only gone more than six innings once since June 1st, which was ironically a complete game shutout against the Nats. So this is definitely a good time to face Fulte. Maybe throwing 100 miles an hour at Nats Park wasn't a fantastic way to get off to a good start after the All-Star break. No, definitely not. Uh, but yeah, I've been a Big Fultonavich fan. Uh, we'll see if uh, if he's kind of his old self. He did well against the Mets, but I'm sure even I could do a good job against the Mets right now. Uh, speaking of doing good jobs against the Mets, Tommy Malone, seven hits, three no seven innings, three hits, one run, no walks, and nine strikeouts against the Mets. So, do you see him having success in this game? Obviously, we talked about it before. He's only faced the Mets and the Marlins, and now this is his first real test. I, I just have no idea. I don't know what to make of his two starts. I mean, they've just been so much better than what he's done over his career. I mean, his strikeout rate is up like, I think it was five or six strikeouts per nine. It's just insane. Uh, I just don't know if we can make any solid conclusions until he pitches more. I think I would just predict an average start. I don't know really what else to to, uh, to say. I don't think he gets blown up. I don't think he pitches one earned over seven innings. He'll just be solidly average i suppose yeah i think that's not a bad bet bad bet going like five innings three earned seems about right uh and i think it's gonna hang on which mike Fultonavich we see are we gonna see the one who pitched a was it one hit two hit shot out that you mentioned uh, or are we gonna see the one that we saw before he gave up four earned in five and two thirds um, yeah definitely I mean, if he struggles and the Nats can take advantage, especially their left-handed batter, since he does have a wide uh, right-handed, left-handed split, um, it'll definitely be a, a game that the Nats can steal. Mm. Yeah, I think this is going to be the swing game. I think the doubleheader is going to be split. I think the Braves, like we talked about, the Braves are going to take the first one, Nats take the second, and then this game is really going to set the tone for uh, the series and potentially the rest of the season if... Uh, either team comes out on top. So how do you see it going? I mean, like I said for the first game, I'll give the edge to the better pitcher and say the Braves. Uh, Fultonavitz, if he reverts back to his old self, his all-star self, he's great. And um, yeah, I'll just give the edge to the pitcher. Mm, yeah, I I want to agree, but I, I'm seeing Fultonavitz's struggles. He's been walking a lot more, which is kind of, reverting back to his old self and obviously the thing that the Nats do best is 
take their walk. So I think I'm going to probably go with a bit of bias and pick the Nats in this one. Have Malone solid start and the Nats get to Fogtonavich. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, and in the final start on Thursday, Gio Gonzalez will face off against Anibal Sanchez. Uh, Gio Gonzalez, 6-8 with a 4.04 ERA. Sanchez, 6-3 with a 2.89 ERA. And Anibal Sanchez continues to somehow have an ERA below three. Uh, I don't know. I'm speechless at it, I guess. <laughs> We've, I mean, in the fantasy community, we, we keep waiting for Sanchez to, to start to falter and so we can start to pick on him. But that just hasn't happened. I mean, he's almost throwing a strikeout an inning over 84 pitches, a low walk rate. I mean, it's just incredible what he's doing. Yeah, this is like the Anibal Sanchez of uh, like 2012 when he was with the Tigers and a potential Cy Young candidate, but mm-hmm. he's supposed to have fallen off the hill since then. I mean, yeah. I mean, I wrote down one stat. You kind of alluded to it. I, kind of a weird one. He's pitching at the fastest pace or the time between pitches since 2013, and that was the year he finished fourth in the AL Cy Young vote. He ended up losing to teammate Max Scherzer, but I mean, maybe that's what he's doing. He's going faster, but I just thought that was a little bit odd. Yeah, that's a, it's definitely an interesting stat. Um, the stuff's not quite there like it was in 2013. So I don't know. Again, like you say, we keep waiting for him to regress, and he just doesn't. Whereas Gio Gonzalez, somewhat the other story, we're waiting for him to figure out and be the pitcher that we saw over the first month and a half, but he's got a 6.75 ERA in his last 10 starts compared to a 2.27 ERA in his first 12 starts. So can Gio turn it around in this one? You'd have to hope so. I mean, Gio coming, comparing him this year to last year, he's really not all that different of a pitcher in his stats, except for the ones in which we expected regression, like Babbitt and left on base percentage. He's allowing another walk, per nine this year than last year. And that's what's causing his different ERAs. There's almost an entire run difference between his ERA last year and this year, but his FIP, there's only about a 20, uh, 20 point difference. So I mean, he's turning back into the pitcher. Most of us thought he would, but he needs to uh, start uh, posting some really quality starts before he kind of loses uh, the faith of the fans, at least. Well, I think based on some fans, he's already lost that, but yeah, the 404 ERA isn't a huge surprise. I think it's just the way he's gone about it with the the stellar first 12 starts and then the rough last 10 starts. And I think some of it has been down to the long ball. That was the one thing that was keeping his fit down early on. It was the lack of the long ball. And potentially as the summer months have rolled along, the ball started flying a bit more. Um, so potentially it's not going to cool down this week. Uh, I can speak for that and my uh, meltingness. But uh, potentially, as we move into September and it cools down a little bit, you might see a better Gio Gonzalez. But uh, for me, I think the Braves are going to take this one. I've uh, backed against Anibal Sanchez the last uh, three series I think we've had against the Braves. So hopefully, a little bit of reverse psychology, and this will be the this will be the time he actually blows up when I pick him the win. I think I'll descend from you. I'll go with the Nats and Geo. And Geo's last start against Atlanta, seven innings, three earned, nine Ks, no walks. And I think Sanchez is just, he's going to get hit eventually. He's got an extremely low BABIP. The Nationals' offense is really, really great. I think they get to him. And I think Geo posts a solid outing. Mm. So we both have a split in the series. Would you take that going into it? I guess the way the matchups line up, it doesn't look that favorable for the Nats. It's not like you get the advantage in many of them 
if you give me the split, I'd take it. Uh, maybe not in a heartbeat, but I think with the, I mean, Max Scherzer is really the only game we felt really confident about. I mean, the other ones, I mean, it could easily be a 1-3 series loss for the Nats. And if I think if they would were offered a split with the Phillies starting a road trip uh, tonight in Arizona, I think you'd take it. Yeah, I think the the other thing is, I, I don't know if I would because you do need to start gaining ground at some point. I think they can get a split. I think they'll pick up one of those three games um, and then you just hope something falls your way for one of the other ones. So you, you do need to start gaining ground. It's not, if this was in May, say, I think I would take the split, but you do have to start gaining ground at some point. Yeah, that's a good point. I think the real test is going to be when they face the Phillies, the division leaders we alluded to. If they, I mean, if they split it, you can't take a serious split against the Phillies. That, I mean, even if it's, uh, what, three games? Yeah, you can't, you can't lose that series at all. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I think, I wonder if the wild card could be, potentially be the best route. I think the, the one thing against that is the amount of teams in the way, but you do feel pretty confident in a one-game wild card if you've got Max Scherzer starting. Yeah, or Strasburg for that matter, if he's back and healthy, and if Max has to pitch the final game to get them into the wild card, and then Strasburg goes the next time. I mean, the Nats, they play the Rockies, the final series. Maybe that is for a spot in the wild card with the Dodgers or Diamondbacks taking the first spot. Yeah, I think a, a lot of the teams around the wild card don't have the, the number one ace. Obviously, the Dodgers have Clayton Kershaw, the Diamondbacks have Zach Greinke, but the Rockies don't have one standout pitcher. The Braves, if Fultonavich keeps kind of falling backwards, then... You don't quite know who their ace is with Newcomb or Fultonavich. So if you can get to the wild, the wild card, I think you've got a pretty good chance. And that's not a bad fallback if you then can't catch the Phillies, who I'm a, unfortunately a fan of how they play, not a fan of them personally. I mean, yeah, I mean, Nats are four and a half back of the wild card last time I checked, maybe five, mm-hmm. depending on what yeah, happens tonight. Uh, yeah, I think it's a fine alternative. I mean, at this point, I think if you gave the Nats fans a choice between the wild card or play out the rest of the season, I think the majority of fans would take the wild card. Yeah, no one would have said that before the season, but at this point, absolutely take the wild card. Obviously, you've got, like you said, Scherzer and Strasburg, so one of them will do the job. Yep, I agree. Uh, So yeah, I think that wraps us up. I want to say thanks to Ross for joining me, and where can our listeners find you? You can find all my Nats work, of course, at District on Deck, and you can follow me on Twitter at Ross Schinberg. Perfect. Uh, remember to check out some of our content on this week. Tom wrote a piece on how this series kind of highlights the Nats gaping holes in the rotation, obviously. Geo struggling and uh, the same at catcher with Wheaters and Keyboom, uh, probably one of the worst pairings in the league. And then I wrote about five possible waiver trade candidates for the Nationals, so potentially a chance to add to that rotational catcher. Remember to follow us on Twitter at District on Deck. Give us a like on Facebook, District on Deck. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, Spreaker, and Stitcher where you can get all our episodes automatically downloaded, ready for you to listen to. We'll be back in the in the week as we look ahead to the first meeting against the Chicago Cubs since October. Uh, that'll be the last I'll mention of that. So we'll see you then. 